listen, I think so. Civil War Two. This is this is the screenplay for Civil War Two. Tony Stark is dead. <laughs> God damn it! And <laughs> Spider Man from all of the Spider Verses swoop in and steal all of the Captain America shields that exist in the universes. Who's gonna wield the the Statue of Liberty one? Who's strong enough? Hulk. It's gonna be. It's basically gonna be the recreation of the airport scene from Civil War, but it's gonna be everyone's variant from different timelines. So there's like 17 Black Widows. Marvel, call me back when you do End Hulk. Oh God, yes, yes. That's when I'll watch your fucking movies again. In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Cogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. Well, I was going to talk about a weird thing when it comes to the first Civil War, there was a very clear border, right? It was North and South. If that happened again, there would be no border, really, in terms of what that war looks like. Because the cultural divide, really, it's like cities and not cities. It's like in every state has a big city, pretty much. That is generally votes blue, whereas the rest of the state votes red. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, that's one of the tactical advantages that the Civil War had was as a conflict. It was like there's a clear line where you have North and South. You would have a cultural war that led to bloodshed or, or you know, fisticuffs. You would have it with inside your border, your state, within your communities. And people aren't going to migrate to one side of the country and then the other side of the country. Yeah, I was going to say, would there be like a mass exodus of people from one side of the country to the other or from out? Like, I mean, we're literally seeing movement of vast populations outside of big cities into other places. Well, we're seeing vast populations move out of California and New York. They're they're literally fighting to be the worst state. We kind of started the conversation with trying to define what would be a civil war. Like, how do you define that? Obviously, we have an idea of a civil war because of what we had in the 1860s. I don't think it necessarily has to be that ferocious and 600,000 people dying with bayonets and muskets. But I think the fact that we're so spread out and diverse across all 50 states uh, plays into the hand of the federal government, which would be, I think, the arch nemesis of where this would take place, of how this would take place. And it's not the president, it's not Joe Biden, it's not Donald Trump, it's not whoever the president is, it's not an administration, it's not Congress. It's the government as a whole and their, I'm going to say, well-intentioned attempt at controlling issues. Because there's not, I don't think there's a lot of nefariousness going on, byproduct of just bad governance that creates a corrupt system over time. You know, as much as I don't like Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell or, you know, these these old people on Capitol Hill, I don't think they're doing it to, to try to hurt me or my livelihood. I think they're just doing whatever's best for them and their constituents and getting votes and that that's it. The constituents parts of that, I don't know about, but for them, yes, I definitely see that. I phrased it incorrectly. I meant to say that they're, they're doing whatever it means to get their, to make their constituents quote unquote happy to get votes. I know there's politicians out there who genuinely want to do what's right for their, their constituents. There's still those like do-gooder people who go in with ideals. It's the Mr. Smith goes to Washington kind of stuff, right? But that, that sweet greenback printed kickback nonsense, that lobbying swampy, it's all the stuff that Trump talked about. It's all the stuff that Sanders talks about. Like it, it's really people on either side talking about this stuff that it riles people up. It's this populist kind of thing. And then you get someone in there and nothing changes. Like I guarantee you if Bernie got in there, he wouldn't do half, like not even a quarter of the things he said he would want to do. 
with government. But we're but that president's changing because now we've moved the needle on what an executive order can do. We've moved the needle on on how on how much power the president has. And then when we give that power to one president and then another president comes in from a different side or different take, the people that gave the previous president that power are pissed off that the current president has that same power. And it's hilarious because you are the ones who gave him that power. There's a place for the federal government and I think there's actually a conversation we could have down the road of just the general discussion on on, on federalism, but I think the problem is that people People just culturally don't know how to not give a shit about the federal government. Like Washington, D.C., the suits in Washington, D.C. have no effect on your life and they shouldn't. And if they do, something's going wrong. So the, the minute that they do, I think that that's going to be where there's pushback, which we're seeing. I just, I, you had said earlier that the an economic downturn or economic collapse would be one of the things that would spark an issue, whether it be shots being fired or actual violence. I actually think in a darker tone, I think there's a precursor to that. I think there could be a bad actor from whatever side of the aisle who is just so fed up that it's going to be a retaliative thing, almost in the same vein as the Oklahoma City bombing. I, I mean, look at look at what happened with Waco. Waco is a microcosm of the government's worst choices because there's a lot of stuff going on there. The Branch Davidians and David Koresh were—they're not good people. They were making dumb, they were doing dumb things, and it was dumb. The FBI showed up and they tried to negotiate and fix things and whatever, and they couldn't do it. And then the ATF shows up and things happen and spiral, and all of a sudden shots are fired and then places are places burned down. There's tanks. It's bad. People die. Do you blame the lowly ATF agent or the lowly FBI agent? No, it's hard for them to know exactly what's going on because a lot of hindsight is 2020. We didn't know exactly what was going on in the moment it was happening because we didn't have all the information. And now that information comes out and it's like, oh shit, that went south really quickly. Why wasn't this handled by local government? Why did the federal government with the ATF and the FBI have to roll in here and do some bullshit? It made no sense. Yeah, so I was going to say you're, you're, you're thinking it's more going to be like a shot heard around the world. I do. I think I guess I disagree with you in terms of like how the. Sorry, I, I want to make sure that I, I'm understood. I don't mean that. It, I don't think that's going to be what it is. I think that's what it, it's going to be what it takes. If we were if we're arguing that a civil war could happen, I'm saying that the shot heard around the world type thing is what it would take to do it. Okay. Every month, Grant and I will tackle an important topic while enjoying a glass of whiskey. If you don't agree with our opinions on these issues, that's great. We want to hear from you and hear your side of the story. Our goal is to understand different perspectives and engage in conversations that matter without regressing to the same division that exists in our hyperpartisan politics. We can and must do better in finding common ground. Discussions breed solutions. The Kogan Conversation is a podcast that welcomes respectful discourse, paired with a glass of whiskey, of course. If you'd like to offer your take on an upcoming episode or join us for a glass of whiskey, please reach out to us on social media or head over to our website and send us a message. Wouldn't it be nice to know what topics are coming up and when an episode is releasing from the Kogan Conversation? Subscribing to our podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, following us on Spotify, and of course following us on social media helps immensely. You can also head over to our website and sign up for our email list so you never miss out on any episodes or information. Cheers. That then that's a different even like a, a one step up in terms of the like and that's not an argument it's like a discussion like could another civil war happen I'm more in like the how will it happen when it does happen and if it it will happen 
are we already in it if we're 100 years from now looking back? I think it's going to happen and I don't think it's going to it's going to take that. I don't know. So I guess my argument if we were talking before, like, which side are you going to be on? Do you want to be on the side who's the weird wokey left leaning or you want to be on the insane militia esque right wing got all the guns and are trained on how to use them? But let's look at that, like, because what if it, if or if I what I was saying before about this, like top down kind of like government versus like anarchistic anti-government movement, like resistance. What what is government really? It's it's people we've we've democratized. Who gets to use the guns? Basically, it's a form of um, uh, coercion. They have the guns. They have the power. They have the the, the hammer as it were. And that's what police are. It's like, they're going to enforce the laws that were like theoretically designed to be instituted by the society at large, people at large who were going to say, all right, we're, we, we have the right to bear arms, maybe possibly, but no, it's more like police have their own power. They're going to enforce the arm of the government. And they're, they're like the democratized violence. If people, someone's out of line, someone's going to go on a shooting spree. Someone's going to rape a bunch of people. We can send people the people we've we've determined are trained and the proper people to use the guns to stop those people um it's not a free-for-all it's not the wild west no one's never not everyone's carrying a six shooter around we we that's we we tried that and it's not good we don't want that but now we're at the point where there's the police in the cities who are going to enforce or if you send the national guard somewhere to quell some kind of riot it's it's those people enforcing the arm of the executive branch of the government and then what we've seen weirdly lately are like the small places outside of big cities, like small towns or little unincorporated towns that have like one sheriff or a deputy or something. And they're like, I'm not going to enforce, enforce like a mask mandate. That's stupid. It makes no sense in my city. Or I'm not going to enforce some other bullshit that is coming down from the top down. So now we have the people who we've democratized as the, the executive branch's enforcers saying, I'm not going to enforce a thing or I'm going to blindly enforce a thing even if it might be unconstitutional in the anarchists uh, take on like people's right to bear arms or saying oh well any gun laws are unconstitutional because second amendment second amendment blah 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 well and that's that i think that's one of the saving the the barriers to the government doing something where it's going to attack or prevent its own citizens from I, like i can't foresee the government you know ordering the military to fire upon its citizens unless it was the most extreme case because i don't i okay let me take it back I can see the government doing that. I don't see the, the people who are receiving those orders, whether, whether it be law enforcement or National Guard or military at large, abiding by that order. Because at the end of the day, they are just people that, that live in the community that also have their own opinions and et cetera. And they are the defenders sworn oath to the Constitution of the United States. I, I guess I trust them more than the people giving those orders. I don't know because we're talking about extremes, right? We're not, we're not, we're obviously, we don't have an example that has happened in the recent history where we can say that, look, this has happened in modern history. This is what a civil war looked like. Yeah. And I guess in, in to, to say, yeah, the civil war, yeah, there's no example in terms of our country, but in terms of like police power or military power following a horrible, unjust order, we're seeing that all over the place right now. It, it, you don't need to look no further than places like Austria or Australia and before that China or Russia or North Korea, where or if you look back, even and we were talking about World War II, like where, where were the Nazis at? It, it took all it took was and I think this was a part of the reason why we wanted to talk about this because we talked about Dr. Robert Malone and he brought up this what became kind of viral in terms of like 
people outside of the left mainstream side of Twitter, mass formation psychosis, where all it takes to control a population or get people to do what they otherwise on any other day would say, I would never get to that point where I would follow that order is basically what we were talking about. You, you silo people enough, you get them to have their own version of what's real and what isn't. And the other side, there's no, there's an irreconcilable like version of reality. And all it takes is to say, all right, well, they are this or other, or just not the same as you. And next, next step, you're putting them in camps, you're arresting them, you're, you're firing them from their jobs. You're doing all these things that we uh, like, uh, Two years ago, I would have been like, I never would have thought we could have, I could have witnessed what it looked like to to see totalitarian steps being taken on our own population, and we're there now. And and yeah, I, I think you're right. Where depending on the place outside of a big city, I don't see like maybe our military is made up of a different group of people where they might be a little more skeptical about the government's doing. Um, people like you, people like me, but there's also plenty of people out there who are gonna who are it's it's like a proven psychological effect where they can get into a place where they're going to follow an order regardless of what it is because it's coming from a position where they're saying oh this is this is what's right this is what we've determined is the right course to get us to safety or health or anything the reason why I'm going to push back on that is because like culturally we're so different our our forces as disciplined as they are are still for the most part at will you know, you sign a contract, you serve your time, and then, you're, then you can get out, and you're not beholden to anything. And while you're in, you have a lot. You have a lot of freedom compared to other nations' militaries, where like China and North Korea. I mean, you you can't say anything. I mean, not to get into military organization, but the there's a big difference, I think, between our cultures in that we value freedom. We know that we know what's right. We know what's our American principles. We know what our American principles are. And one of the main reasons why we don't do orders or don't do things that are bad is because there's not that that threat above us of like, you will be killed if you don't follow this order and your family will be killed if you don't follow this order. That was a threat that was coming down from the top hierarchy of the Nazi regime is that if these lowly privates in the Nazi in the Nazi military didn't carry out orders or didn't carry out these things that were happening in, in you know local towns, well, you better not let anyone find out who your family is because we'll kill them and we'll kill you too. That doesn't happen in American military, at least. Yeah, no, I, I know. I know exactly what you're saying. I guess my next question to follow up would be how, how much of a far cry is that the, you will be shot if you don't follow this order. How much of a far cry is that from, we're going to dishonorably discharge you if you don't get this mandatory medical procedure. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> there's, there's laws on the books that say you, you don't, you're not required to follow not only are you not required to follow an unethical law or uh, order, you're also required to not follow it and then report it. I'm not going to get into. I'm not going to wade into the vaccine debate because I think there's a lot of interesting precedent and gray area set with people who sign up and you know what you're getting into and you you're required to take the flu vaccine and you know it's that's a different story and I don't I'm not going to get into that water. That's just not that's not for me right now. But we talked about this a little bit off camera before is that if if you if you're given an order by someone to go kill this child because the child is a son of a terrorist. You know that's bad. Don't do that. You can you can you don't do that and then report the guy who ordered you to do that and then you're probably going to win. It might be a headache. You might have to go through a court process because the guy who gave the order probably is a higher rank than you and he 
can submit paperwork faster with more channels than you, but at the end of the day, you're going to win out because due process exists. You know, yes, can dishonorable discharge or an other than honorable discharge be waived over your head if you don't abide by this thing? Sure, but there there are so many few so few times where that has ever been an issue at writ large of the military in America that it just doesn't happen. I mean, the it's I guess you could make the argument like, what if? in the entire force said no to the government when we decided to invade Iraq and Afghanistan. And when we like, what if the entire force was just like, nah, you know, Mr. President, it doesn't really make sense. We don't feel right about this. That that didn't happen. But it's an interesting question because hindsight is twenty twenty. because now a lot of troops have, whether it be regret or questions or thoughts about, yeah, you know, there was some good that came out of it. We helped them build some schools and do some good things and whatnot. But now it faltered and fell apart. What was the point? And that's a pretty toxic question to ask yourself when you've lost buddies over there. My, my main point, what I had said earlier, I'm, I'm going to stick with is that I trust our service members and our police officers and, and, and even... I would even trust FBI agents and DEA agents and, and ATF agents at the end of the day, if push came to shove, at the worst of the worst, if the government was making this vie for ultimate power and just like invading the states to maintain their jurisdiction, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they'd abide by that. I think, I think, I think diplomacy would win over at the end of the day. That doesn't mean, but I think what the civil war would look like is going to be citizen versus citizen because of the government. And the government's going to use that as a proxy war in its own country in a way to try and gain more, you know, hey, federal government gets more power. We get to line our pocketbooks. I mean, I, that, I mean that that version of it. Yes, I think if that's the version of the Civil War you're saying, that I think that's that's we're in that. I think that's genuinely like the the powers that be are going to whether it be the government or large corporations, they're going to take what is ever the most either mainstream or going to take on what is the most like going to invoke the most response. We were talking about that before to gain or garner more vitriol and support for their own nonsense or buy more shit that they don't need or subscribe to whatever is going to make them feel the safest. But I, I guess that going off of what you said before about, I mean, just a general trust in, in those, in all those organizations and people, I, I trust a lot of individual people, but when it comes to the collective, the group, I think there's, it's, it's not going to be a sudden, like, all right, we're violating all your, your, we're, we're, we're suspending all rule of law now. I think it's a slow creep to that. And I think long before we've gotten there, they've, ruled out or gotten rid of all the people who are going to say no most of them and i think everyone who's left are the only people who are going to say yes regardless and then three more steps away we're at the point where we're suspending rule of law completely and the government's getting away with anything and i think that does actually go into this proxy war that's being fought right now this cultural divide that's just being fueled and fueled and fueled on either side and nobody's really trying to do anything to help it people with power playing 40 chess moving the pieces exactly where they need to to get the outcome that leads to i don't know some kind of top-down nightmare world that we're slowly letting ourselves get into yeah i'm just a conspiracy theorist now it's not a conspiracy anymore though it's just you see you see it in places it's happened in places it's happening in places around the world and to think that it's the ultimate form of like you said just this privilege to think that it could never come to the united states it can never happen here this podcast is a work of passion and it's completely self-funded we want to continue providing this platform dedicated to free thought and conversation but we kindly ask that you show your support 
Patreon isn't just a platform where you can give a small monthly donation. It also gives you exclusive access to extended, unedited episodes, bonus content, as well as creative input into whatever we cover. Being a supporter on Patreon makes you a member of the Kogan Conversation family and helps us continue this passion project. For just a few bucks a month, you can help us grow. The more we grow, the more perks can come to being a supporter on Patreon. Head over to our website and learn how you can sign up. Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this penultimate episode of our biggest conversation yet. There's a lot going on in the world right now, and with Alan coming back from training in a short while to take back his usual intro and outro duties, I personally wanted to take this moment and express my gratitude for all of you who listen and care. You keep this show going and help remind me that there is more than just a series of screens and editing timelines that make up whatever ether these conversations get broadcasted to. Stay tuned for the fourth and final episode of this topic on March 28th, and watch out for a fresh crop of topics coming your way from myself and Alan in April and beyond. Thank you. I'm Alan. And I'm Grant. Thank you for listening to The Kogan Conversation. This podcast is about engaging with different perspectives, values, and ideas. We want to learn how to progress conversations on important topics without assuming the worst in each other. Each month, we will tackle a new topic while enjoying a glass of our favorite spirit and shed light on the beauty of good conversation. Until next time. Cheers.